Welcome back to Rinkwise, everyone. We're New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Back again in studio, my partner in crime with the New England Hockey Journal, Evan Miranovsky. Evan, welcome. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm happy to be here again. We did a lot throughout the season, and now we're going to do some off-season stuff, which is fun. Even though I know there are still tryouts happening, we're recording this on Thursday, April 6th, right before the Frozen Four, so there's lots going on still, but we're going to focus a lot on the off-season here, which which I'm excited about. Definitely, yeah. So most hockey, we can say probably most hockey at this point is is probably complete, or tryouts are going on, Mm -hmm. but... Some are still playing. So we are approaching the off-season indeed, and our goal today is to talk about that and give some tips and advice and just a bit of a discussion just on, on what families can expect and just things that we think might be helpful for them in the off-season. Yeah, it feels like the off-season, I remember when I was playing, not to be like, oh, my hockey career and everything, but I remember it was always kind of a gray area at times, especially when you're kind of coming out of middle school into high school, it's like, well, what do you do? What do I do? What's like, what are the things I should be doing? What leagues, what, what kind of off-season workouts, things like that. And I want to hear your opinion on a lot of this, Stephanie, because you work in it and you are very successful in it with the Islanders and with Austin Prep and you played in college, obviously, at Northeastern. So for you, I mean, it's, it's interesting because as I said, it is a gray area for a lot of people, but there's more awareness about it now. It, it really, though, depends on age. So we'll kind of go up from the ages. So when in youth should kids really start to train and, and do stuff outside of the season? What age does that really begin? Yeah, Evan, and I think that's the golden question these days. And just to, I think just to kind of start that conversation, I'd say the off season now for athletes in general, hockey players, is probably the number one thing that has changed and evolved over. So if you look at some of the guests that we've had in recently, like Ken Hodge Jr., former NHL player. So someone like him, when he discusses it, it's it's the, it's probably the area that's evolved the most over the years, and especially now at the youth level. So I think that's absolutely probably the number one question now, right, when advising families. And I do think that it is similar, but also there's some differences with regards to age. Mm -hmm. So for example, like what an off season might or should look like for an eight or 10 year old versus a high school player similarities, but I think also differences, but I, I think number one. So after a very long hockey season, most seasons now, Evan are six to eight months, usually eight months on the longer end. That's a, that's a long time. A lot of hockey. I think number one, after you finish your season, you get your tryouts or whatever, it's time for a break. Yeah, spring feels like a break. Spring break should be a good amount of time, it feels like. Number one priority, I think. And just just to get a break physically, mentally, um, emotionally, you name it, just to basically kind of shut it down, give your body a rest from that specific type of training, hockey on the ice. Again, most people, if you're doing high school, you're on the ice six days a week. Mm. If you're youth these days, can be still four or five days a week. And Hopefully getting your money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, but that's a long time. Yeah. So, so again, just number one, I would say the spring is a time for a break. So re- regardless if you choose to train, and a lot of people do, we can talk about that, y- your, your top priority should get, be to take a break and do other activities 
we'll use maybe that word activities instead of sports. Mm -hmm. Other sports are great, but other activities. It's funny. A lot of prep coaches I talk to, and this is again for older kids, older players, but a lot of prep coaches I'll talk to, some will say, I encourage kids to play a spring sport that isn't obviously anything to do with hockey. Or they'll say, well, hockey's evolving. And if you want to really be an elite hockey athlete, you got to be just playing hockey all the time. How do you feel about the uh, doing another sport in the spring? Because it, I mean, I think growing up, I always played another sport, and I think it is a very good thing for kids to play other sports, but what do you think about that? I'm very much in favor of it, 100% in mm-hmm. favor of it, and for, for, again, all different reasons. I think, number one, just to give yourself a break from hockey, and even if your spring sport isn't a, quote, serious sport for you, it's get out with your friends, get outside, run around, change it up. So just number one, just to have something different to do. But again, talking about, I think the age categories, when you're, if we have like a U8 or a U10, a squirt or might or whatever for, for, for the youth level, I think we have to really f- encourage parents or, or remind them that at those ages, other sports are actually probably the most beneficial thing towards their athletic development. Play everything, yes. Given that their athletic blueprints are still being formed at those levels. So again, just those are the years where they can develop their motor skills, their agility, their coordination, those types of things the most. So not to say that that can't happen in the later years, but those are the years where those skills and traits are developed the most. So... If you really think about it, if you are not playing other sports or activities, your chances to develop those characteristics and those skills are greatly less than your counterparts or your, your other teammates that are doing those sports. Yeah, I, again, I, I completely agree. I don't really understand. I mean, I get people want to be all hockey all the time, but I do really think from what you're saying and from what a lot of others are saying, Take a break, play another sport. I mean, like a popular one is lacrosse. Every kid who plays hockey seems to play lacrosse. I played baseball growing up. Like I think it's good to do other things because as you said, there are like obviously lacrosse hockey is the obvious one, but there are crossovers in every sport. And I think you're you're failing yourself of just experiences with friends and things like that if you are just I'm doing all hockey all the time. I'm not gonna take a break or things like that. So I think, as you said, it feels like everyone is in the same boat of spring should be a break. A mid to late April, May, whatever, should be kind of a break. When, and this is going to, I know it's going to be age dependent, but when should things pick back up? And what should they pick back up with? Working out, on ice training, things like that. What age, across the ages, when should that start to get going again? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I think age specific right? yes that, again, oh, that, yeah. that development platform looks a little bit different with with each and every age but let's i guess maybe stay on the younger levels right yep. now and we can kind of work our way up but and by the way this is across i don't mean to interrupt but this this is across elite elite players and also just kids who want to be just good hockey players and impactful for their high school teams or their their youth teams it's not it's as you said it's not just the elite players it's kind of everybody definitely yeah so let's focus on the younger levels spring take a break do other things and try to get different types of activities into into your into your life because that will in the long run help develop the long-term athletic blueprint but i think that in terms of training it's not to say that doing any hockey in the summer is bad like we're not saying that at all but mm-hmm. i think the off season is the time for you to work on your weaknesses and i think if we're focusing i'm i'm a big skating person mm-hmm. that's number one thing as a coach 
If I look at players, that's the number one thing. You have thing to be able to skate well. That I notice, right? And that's so. where the game's headed. And it's where it is already. You've got to be a good skater. You can't be a bad skater. That's right. Yes. If I was coaching at Northeastern or Austin Prep or even the, like the, the first thing that I'm going to notice when I see a player is they're skating. And as you said, Evan, the game is just so fast now that it's a skating game. And so if you're, if you don't have a great skating platform, at the younger levels, it becomes harder to build that in as you age up. Mm -hmm. So focus on getting better at your weaknesses. So I know my, when I was young going through the, the youth world, it's way different now, but you know, what, what I would do in the off season is I always do like a power skating. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we didn't skate nearly as much in the off season as, as the kids do now, but, but there also just wasn't as many options. There's tons of options now. So like effectively, I, I used to shoot pucks or basketballs. That was my two favorite. Yeah. You told me right before this episode, you were a big basketball player. I never knew that. I've known you for a a long time now. I didn't know you were a big basketball player. Yeah. So the whole multi-sport thing. Yeah. Like I was, I was actually probably better at basketball than That's so interesting. I didn't know that. But I just, I think just made the decision in terms of when I did have to specialize at hockey, I just felt like there were the opportunities would be there a little bit more mm-hmm. than they, they were, of course, but, but that's a great problem to have, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And Evan, I really feel strongly. I wish we could go shoot some hoops in the parking lot. Oh, right I don't know could... if I, 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 my, I can't play. I'm a terrible basketball player, but, but, but I, I do think though, a lot of the traits and skills from basketball mm-hmm. transferred over to me as a hockey player. So just like the footwork, for example, yeah. uh, hockey IQ, basketball, you're, you're, you're making a lot of dis- quick decisions and mm-hmm. plays and you have to read the play. And again, I just, to me, I thought that a lot of those characteristics were extremely helpful when it did come time to specialize in hockey. But, but again, back to the off season. So always focused on like a power skating, right? So that was just for me, that was that was like the number one focus in my off season was to become a better skater than I was when I finished the season. Mm-hmm. And but so if I had to kind of wave the magic wand, what's the perfect scenario for a younger player? So I think starting in the summer, like I do think it is good to train once a week, once or twice a week, mm-hmm. and and you have to really I think keep an eye on your kids though too, right? So they're they're young; they should be still doing a lot of different activities in the summer, and also. Having fun. I was gonna say right? you're not like, if you're a, if you're a squirt or a mite or an early peewee or a peewee at all, or even a even sometimes a bantam. You're not even working age yet. Like enjoy your summers. Like have fun with those summers. I think that's one of the most important things that anyone would say. Don't don't bog it down with with training and things like that. But do a little bit of it. And it's funny in our latest magazine we had a camp guide directory. At the end of all summer camps happening this for hockey this summer and and things like that and it's always interesting because there are so many options that I so think many. in yeah. some ways many. I don't know if you notice and, and you hit on it there with parents is it too many is it to a point where parents are like what do I do what do I, what do I send my kid to what do I pay for what do I not go for how do you advise parents in that kind of d- difficult what do I do there's so much here what do I do that's a great question because you're right like there it went from I think years ago to Barely kind of having options, yeah, right? Like you kind of had to create your own. I mean, even when I was coming up, and again, I was just a a, a good, solid high school player. And I think a a lot, you can take a lot from this if you're just going to be a good, solid high school player. That's a good thing. And there weren't a ton of power skating options. There were good, there were a fair amount, but I think now it's just has one. It's almost like podcasts. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's great. It's become a little overwhelming. And it's, I think as, 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 
families and, and parents. Like you, you do have to, I think programs like this will help give information and help educate. At the end of the day, you have to do what you think is going to be best for you, but also don't be afraid to do your own homework and your own research. So this, this, these days and ages, Evan, you could literally sign up for a camp every single week of the summer if you wanted to, and including the weekends and, and et cetera. And that is way too much. Yeah, d- please and don't do that. Not even talking about money. Please don't do that. Right? Yeah, like don't I, do that. It can really add up. So, so you really do have to pick and choose, and, but you have to, I think, approach it with a plan and what's going to work best for you. But I think for the younger levels, once, two days a week, max, you, you really have to keep an eye as well on, on your player, on your child. And I think a simple rule of thumb that I always set with the younger levels is they have to be looking forward to going to the rink. And then they also have to be happy when they're leaving. And if that starts to change, then I think you really want to keep an eye on it because it's just telling you that A, they're not having fun or B, they are they need a break and they're yeah. getting a little bit burnt out. So I would really kind of keep an eye on those things. If kids, they're smiling when they get on the ice and when they're smiling when they get off the ice, you know that you're doing something really good for them. Yeah. And also I think it's tough because at that age, there's still U8, U10, U12 levels. There are still kids who like hockey, but then they start to say, you know what? I don't really like hockey anymore. And it's like, you don't want to be beating it into them. Hey, you got to go keep going to the rink. Got to keep playing. I think that's something, you know, people always used to see growing up as kids kind of teetering off. And that's just people change. You're growing up, you're becoming a teenager and things like that. How do you feel about the off ice training? I know. I remember when I was coming up, a big question when I was in like middle school was, when do we start working out? When do we start lifting weights? And you'd hear like, oh, so-and-so is already lifting weights. I got to start doing that. When, because obviously there are lots of options to train, whether it be going to a gym or having a personal trainer or doing in kind of a group workout. When should kids and what should they really be doing? When should kids really start getting into the the off-season workouts and and training and things like that? I think that is a huge part of the game now, the Mm -hmm. off-ice training. And I think for the elite level athletes, it needs to coincide hand in hand. I just, I think, Evan, that you can't have one without the other. Agreed, days. yeah. But I do, I do think it's also one of the big reasons why we're seeing big advancements in the game as well, both on the male and the female side, right? Why why are players so much better now at the younger levels? Like, why, why is the game faster now? Why I think off-ice training is a huge part of that. And so, again, I think for the elite-level athlete, it is a... 100% mandatory. But I think so when is the right time to start it? I think that is going to vary slightly male versus female mm-hmm. just just given when their their bodies mature, but I think that is something that you really need to work with a professional on and we've had some really great professionals here on the show that give some great feedback on that. But I think in terms of your investment as parents, because as we said, you can almost spend endless amount of money in the off season. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of places you can spend money. So I definitely think that that is one area where you make an investment. I think that when you're at the right age, like just for example, for, for girls, probably like 13, 14, when it's absolutely probably a great time to start doing off ice training, it's worth making that investment in your summer or in your off season that coincides with whatever you might be doing on the ice. Because again, like that's just an area where it's not like a maybe you'll come back better. Like you will, if you really commit to a, to a serious program, like you will 100% come back stronger 
faster. So again, just in terms of investment and your return, where to put your money, off-ice training is absolutely an area where it should be put. And I remember even when I, like when I was playing, every kid on my team did off-season training. None of us were going to play Division One or in the NHL or anything, but every kid does it now. I think it's the most popular thing. And I think the big question, as I said with you, is like, these parents of, of kids kind of in middle school are saying, should we be putting our kids in that? And I, I think it, it's it's beneficial. It's good to do because as you said you come back stronger, you come back faster. It's also fun. It's a, it's a good it can time. Be too. It yeah. can be very fun yeah. with a good trainer and things like that. It's definitely sign up with your friends. Yes, I remember my. I think I was like in team specific. Yeah, I think I was in like seventh grade. One of my actually. Um, Peter Slate, I'll give him a shout out. Peter Slate, Evan Slate's dad. Evan Slate I plays plays baseball at Rutgers. He's from my hometown. He used to have like a gym in his basement. And all of us, he would schedule us in groups of four. And it was a small little gym set up. It was perfect for four people. And it was terrific. It was fun. It was like, I think it was like seven or eight in the morning, two or three times a week during the summer. I was a morning kid back then. So I loved it. Bike down. And it was great. I think it's a big question that a lot of people have. And I think it's so important. And it's good to see like a lot of high school teams will have group workouts during the off seasons during the fall season and the and the spring season to kind of let kids come in and and use the facilities hopefully at at each high school yeah and and evan again i think it's a big part of how the game has changed and i think there's a lot of professionals that are doing this type of work now and they're doing great work yeah you have bando performance i know we've had in here Mm. you have mike boyle strength and conditioning those sort of things that have just been around for a long time and there's also i think a lot more knowledge towards sports performance these days too so if you look back maybe 20 years ago to now there's a lot more advancements and there's also just i think a lot more knowledge towards sports performance with the strength training i think like weight training specifically that's probably applicable to females starting at the age like 13 14 probably for guys 14 15 right about there but i also think evan it doesn't mean that the the ages that are younger than that can't do off-ice training agreed because you you can still do footwork and things like that and and some weights aren't going to kill i think like that absolutely works and the other thing is it helps prevent injuries that's another big part of this that that we haven't even touched on is when you when you're doing these off-season the weight training and things like that if you're, when you're working with a good professional, a good trainer, you're helping to prevent injuries, not just in the weight room, but on the ice, things like that. And I think that helps a lot as well. One other thing, though, is during the summer, how much we touched on a little bit with the power skating and things like that. Are Should kids be looking to play in summer leagues? Should they be looking to play in games during the summer? I imagine this would vary by age. But do you think kids should be looking in the months of June, July and August for games to play in? Great question. Has different opinions on this. And it's controversial. Yeah, you have to, I think, again, like what I would recommend is even if as simple as taking a a sheet of paper and writing down like your summer plan and you you don't want to overload it. Agreed. So that's, that's, I think, the, the first piece of advice. And so, so it's not a yes and it's not a no, I think, to answer that question. But yeah. what, I, what I do think you have to prioritize are your goals are. Like if you want to be an elite level athlete or if you want to go in and have a great high school season, your goals are you have to be focusing on getting better when you come back in the summer, I think. So, so with that said, you have to be doing things that will help make you better. And just my opinion, you got the off-ice training. I think you have to commit to some sort of a program, a skills training, whatever that might be, that will help your overall skill work get better. So meaning you'll come back after the summer, a better skater, better stick handler, better shooter. But it also doesn't mean that you can't play 
like in a summer league. But mm-hmm. I think you just, again, you just have to really, you have to really be cautious about not over subscribing. It almost feels like the off, the, the, the working out is a, is a, is a absolute, you should do it. Yes. The power skating and skills, things like that. You should do it. If you want to do it, play a game here and there. If you want to do it, if it's just, hey, it's extra, I don't know, it's kind of pick up hockey, I don't know if it's actually going to help me, then don't. But if it's like, hey, I really want to just go on the ice and kind of play with my friends, then heck yeah, do it. I think it feels like that that's not as an essential thing. It feels more like, hey, have the puck on your stick as much as you can. Be looking to improve yourself. The summer is not to make yourself feel amazing and oh, look at all these improving and getting better. It feels like that's kind of the the point of the summer. Yeah, Nevin, I think like to your point, like I think the what I kind of hear from kids and like in the summer, like a summer league, it's it's kind of more for fun for them. Yeah, they can show up and they can see their friends and and I think it's also it's never full bench. Kids are on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, and I well, I think it's a great opportunity. Like let's say you did like a Wednesday skill session where you're working on stick handling, shooting, and it's also like if you have a Sunday league game in the summer, like that's might be a great opportunity for you to go out and practice some of that stuff. Now, Absolutely. Right. So it's kind of like they say the game is generally the best teacher. But again, I think if you had to set a priority, you know, it's your things that are going to make you better. And then I think you can put summer leagues and also maybe tournaments somewhat in the same category. And I think you just want to, you want to be careful of not oversubscribing, but there's certainly a great opportunity to have some fun, be with your friends and also work on some of that different skill work that you've been working on. It's funny. One of the big things during the off season is kind of working on weaknesses. And when you, obviously if you're U8, U10, working on everything is good, whether it be power skating or, or skills, but for kids who are kind of in high school or going into high school, youth hockey can be tough sometimes because you're, you're not... To figure out what your weaknesses are isn't always easy. Some parents might not want to tell their kids what their weaknesses are. How, as a coach, do you help? How do you tell a kid, hey, you should really this summer work on your skills or you should really work on this or that? How, what's the approach? How do you kind of figure out your weakness? It sounds like a dumb question, but I feel like it can be very difficult to kind of figure out what should I be working on? What are the priorities? Yeah, Evan, I think that's a great question. And you're right, because I don't think enough people ask that. And how do you know what your weaknesses are? I think, because let's be honest, and not all parents are going to have a a great assessment, like not a completely up-to-date, accurate assessment of what their kids' weaknesses are. And they don't have to. Right, (laughs) right. And so I think... Wherever you're playing, hopefully you have established a good rapport or trust. If if you're playing at its particular program, there should be a reason for that, right? And I think that it's absolutely a great idea for you to talk to the coach or the director or whatever. What what are your weaknesses? Almost like a bit of a, a hockey report card, if you Yeah, know. like and a mid an end of season report. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I again if I was recruiting at Northeastern or the NHL or wherever it might be, like my report card would look pretty similar. So number one, skating ability. Yep. So there's five things. Skating ability, number one, where is it? Like A, B, C, D. Number two, I think overall skill work. So things like your stick handling, your shooting, what does that look like? Where does that fall? I think number three, strength, like things like off-ice training. Are they undersized? Are they not strong enough? Do they need to get stronger? Getting pushed off the puck, things like that. Yeah, that kind of thing. And number four, I think, would be hockey IQ. So where do they fit in that scale of thing? Like sometimes you can see players that are phenomenal skaters. You're in a practice, they can whip through the cones or whatever, but then you put them in a game and they sort of disappear. So I think the hockey IQ. And then number five would be what are their habits 
off the ice. So are they actually putting in time and effort and energy towards improving their game off the ice? So to me, those would be five things. And that would be, that's my report card every time that I sit and I talk to families and players, you Mm -hmm. know, where do they stack up in terms of those five things? And again, I think that as as a family, you should absolutely feel comfortable in asking that question to your your coach and families because that's going to also give you an idea of some things that you should hopefully be focusing on in your offseason. And again, as you mentioned, it's an investment and parents are paying good money for this hockey. You should at least be able to get a report card like that or an evaluation if you ask for it to be able to know, hey, what can I work on? Where should I be spending my money this summer? I think that's a really important thing. sounds like you're in a good spot with the report cards. I would have loved your report card on me back when I was coming up. would have been terrific. Yeah. A plus for everything. No. You need that. And I think it's... Absolutely. uh, I think it's... It's something that like when you're in college and, and stuff like that is an automatic, like you're, you're constantly getting that feedback, whether mm-hmm. you want it or not, yeah. you're getting that feedback <laughs> all the time from your coaches. So why, why shouldn't we have that at the youth level as well? And, yeah. Um, you just don't want to discourage a kid. That's the other thing. If they're eight or 10 years old or whatever, but if they're willing and saying, Hey, I want to be better at something, what can I work on? Then it's a really good opportunity to say, Hey, you know what? You're, you're really good at skills, but your skating, your edge work's not amazing. You should go to a power skating thing this summer that I think is a good way to look at it. Evan, can I share a little yes. coaching trick? I would love this, yes. Not a trick, not a trick. Maybe I if I coach someday, word. I might steal this from you. <laughs> I might take this. So it's funny, years ago on, on the bench when one of my friends from Northeastern, he had some daughters that came over and we were just kind of talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, when I coach this age, this is kind of how I give some feedback and... And it was funny, like later on in the season, he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, you just did that, didn't you? Because it's, it's a way just to deliver your, your feedback. So as you said, I think you, as, as a coach, like you're a motivator, right? You're a teacher, but, mm-hmm. but I think you, you absolutely have to give constructive feedback, right? At certain times, because otherwise how are kids going to know what they need to work on? But so a bit of a coaching trick that I found has worked really well is the sandwich. So Basically, like you take the one negative thing that Ooh, you need to say. This is interesting. But you sandwich it with two positives. Interesting. So, for example, let's say, again, someone's skating needs a little bit of work. Let's say I need some work on my skating. All right. So, let's say, Evan, you have done a phenomenal job this season. Your hockey IQ has gotten so much better. You read the plays so much better. But one area that I think would really help you in terms of continuing getting better is to continue getting your skating up and particularly want to see your stride lengthen out because I think that's just overall going to help where you're taking your game right now and again you've just done such an incredible job over this season that I think that that's one area that you would benefit tremendously on if you worked on that in the off season. That's fascinating because for kids I feel like that makes all the difference if you're like hey you got your skating's horrible this isn't like old school coaches that's in today's day and age. That's not so how did work. you feel just listening? To I that? felt great. I, I, I like that. That's no, I, I really did like that. The coaching sandwich. Because it's like, hey, I get to be praised a little bit, but you're right. Because you didn't say like, your skating sucks. No. Nope. That you're really, nope. you're in trouble. But instead it's like, no, you just, you, you should work on these couple things. And you even said my stride, things like that. So again, and I think it goes back to this. And you notice this all the time because you're a coach. This pl- the, the, the 2023 hockey player has changed a lot from even five years ago, 10 years ago. You have to deliver it in a different way. Criticism has to kind of be delivered in a little bit of a different way. I know it can be kind of annoying for some, but how do you notice the, the, the because even the sandwich, it's kind of like a little bit of positive reinforcement. How do you 
notice that with kids these days kids these days yeah I think the the longer you coach too I think if you had like a pool of coaches in here I think most people I think they'd all agree actually that I think the longer you coach like you realize there's not a one-size-fits-all method (laughs) when it comes to coaching as well like like teaching as well every every student's going to maybe learn a little bit differently same thing with players I think they're all going to learn differently and you are effectively a teacher of hockey yep absolutely on skates so I think that is the number one thing to learn right away that the way that you might learn or a coaching style that might work for you may not work for for another player and to your question of delivering a message that has to apply with each and every player and I can tell you just right every team I've coached and if I just look at the team I had this year the way that I deliver a message to one player I know if I said that exact same thing to her teammate it wouldn't work difference right so you just have to I think that's what great coaches do like you have to learn that like you have to you have to know your players and there's there's absolutely not a one-size-fits-all but in terms of delivery I think again if you just use that simple guideline if you will the sandwich like you know kids no matter what like they everyone needs to hear positive reinforcement everybody right at at some point some need it more than others but you know the, the the constructive feedback is also necessary, right? So I think it's just, again, finding that balance, how to, to deliver the message. It's going to be different for everybody, but I think it's, it's sometimes it's not necessarily what you say, but how you say it. That is probably most important. But those are just, I think, some tips that will be helpful for, for coaches at any age, really. The sandwich. I like that. I'm going to start doing that in daily life. Just, <laughs> oh, you know. Like I said, it was funny. Like a few years back, like... Uh, the roommates. Yeah, my, the the gentleman my friend from from northeastern he had his daughters here and he was was helping on the bench too and he's like after the game he's like he's like oh my gosh he's like you just did that didn't you you just did the sandwich thing because he's like that was really good yeah i have some friends who are elementary school teachers and they'll i'm like i'm always fascinated by like how do you you can't just tell these kids what to do you there has to be a strategy behind it so i'm always fascinated by stuff like that one other thing we we mentioned a lot in this show about younger players players just want to get for their high school teams for the elite players who want to play hockey in college and i know this is kind of a broad question and it it's different among the ages and it's different between male and female. What can kids do to get on the radars of colleges and what can they do to get better, to get more college eyes on them through the off season? This is, I think, Evan, where the training at the older levels, like I think will absolutely start to look different in the off season because the goals are higher right, yep. for these kids and the stakes are higher. And I think also their window of opportunity is open, but it's also going to start to get a little bit smaller as they age up, right? So, yeah. so again, I think that's definitely where the training starts to look a little bit different in the off season. So, as we've said a lot so far on this show, the younger levels focus on quality over quantity. Take a break, make sure you're having fun, that sort of thing. And I think now at the older levels, depending on what your goals are, like that's where the training needs to start to pick up. And I think the the goal 11 or the focus still is never to oversubscribe no matter what age, right? So we had Ken Hodge Jr. on the, on the show recently. NHL guys are not on the ice seven days a week in the summer. Oh no, not even close. Right. So if, if the top of the hockey world, if you will, doesn't train that much, then there's no athlete under them, right. That should be training that much. No. Right. But, but again, I think so the, the focus never to oversubscribe, but I do think, so just some of my high school kids, for example, right? So 
most of them have the goal of wanting to play college hockey. And they know that they have probably two to three years to really try to make that happen. So they, they know how important their off season is to get better, right? And to basically get themselves to a point where they are recruitable, right? So for them, that will look like for most of them on the ice, probably two to three days a week of training, right? In the summer. Mm -hmm. So like skill work, training, that sort of thing, probably off ice in the weight room three to four days a week. I think that that's three to four days is generally the recommendation for the high school athlete who's looking to make big improvements yep. right in the off season. And then I think also, Evan, like it, it is important that with showcases, and I think there's, we'll differentiate between showcase and tournament. Showcase, I guess I'd categorize on this show as an opportunity for kids where they are in front of college coaches. So like if you go on the weekend to a showcase where some of the schools that you might be interested in attending for college would be there and those coaches mm -hmm. can see you versus like a tournament where I'd say it's, it's just an opportunity where you can play three or four games yeah. over the weekend. So I think that the combination of all that, I think if you simply put, if you want to be on a school's radar, like let's say school college X is is on your radar and you'd like to see if you have an opportunity to play there, you have to make sure that you're in an, at an opportunity over the summer where they can see you play mm -hmm. would be, I think, just a, a bit of a recipe for the older level. And Evan, I also think that when it comes to kids getting recruited, like I think the role of the coach or the director, or whatever that plays with a kid's recruiting process, I think is also huge these days. So let's say you're my player. Yep. Right. So, and you're interested in these three colleges. I think that my role as your coach is huge in terms of making contact with those, us working together, providing some video, just, just constant you know, that I can give to those coaches. Like, I think that that's a huge part of it these days. And I think if you're not aligned with somebody who's going to do that for you, it's really hard just because there are so many players and it's easy to sort of get lost. So you're, you're, you're their advocate in a yes. sense. Yes. Yes, and, exactly. And that feels like a huge thing for, for everyone. I've, huge part. And you probably do it a lot for your players, I would imagine. It's honestly, it's, it's like an, like an agent yeah. and it's, but it's, it's obviously that's, this is what we sign up for, right? When we take on this role as a coach, I mean, it's, it is your job, right? I mean, you care so much about these kids and they've worked so hard. I mean, this is the goal that these kids have been striving towards their whole life, but I just think that that's a huge part of it these days. So sometimes I think when you're also making decisions on where to play, like I think that needs to be a big consideration. If you want to play at the next level, like someone who's really going to be a good advocate for your son or daughter and can really provide some connections to some of those opportunities. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's become an even bigger thing in recent years. As we wrap this up, what has there been anything that we haven't touched on in the offseason that you feel is important for parents to know something we haven't really hit on. Is there anything that we've we've missed? Like we've hit a lot of things. We have, yeah. I mean, I think the as we said, playing with the the leagues and the tournaments. Like I think that sort of goes hand in hand now and the, throughout the spring and summer. And I mean, I think Evan, there's there's a lot of options these Tons. days, right? Like I think like with the tournaments, like you can you can almost play like every weekend if you want. And I think that's a topic that we could maybe talk a little bit more on because it, it does vary from person to person. And Absolutely. Some people are like, you shouldn't do any. And some are like, you should do X. I mean, it's, 
It's it's again it's 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 different for everybody. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I know it's a it's a big thing these days. It is, and I think for you know, when I look at the tournament play, doing it every weekend, I I don't believe I don't I don't believe in it doing it every weekend. I think as we've kind of said, don't over prescribe. You play a lot of hockey in the winter. You play a lot of hockey in the fall. I don't think you should be as you said. I think you laid it out best with. Work on what you're not good at. Work on skating. That's a huge thing. So to me, I don't think it's imperative that you do it every weekend. I think do what you want to do. Like, I think if you really want to be a player at the next level and your passion for hockey is deep and you want to play every weekend, go for it. And no one's stopping you, right? If you want to kind of chill, work out, do do some on-ice skills and things like that, and then kind of go to the beach on the weekend or something, do that. I I, I think... Do what you want. You're a kid. And I think that's more the biggest thing. And again, I, I, your opinion on that is much more <laughs> important and, and, and valid than mine on that. But I still think do what you want to do. Do You know, it's a kid. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing I would say. And just don't overdo it. And that's anything, whether it be a job, hockey, basketball, whatever. Don't, don't burn out, especially at a younger age. Because it's always heartbreaking to see a kid who loved hockey and then you get to 15, 16, they're just worn down from it. And they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. So I think that's one of the big things you kind of want to avoid. And, and you see it more and more with kids now because there's so much. Yeah, yeah. And I get I get asked by parents a lot too about this question. And I, I think a really good piece of advice is no matter what you choose to do, put a cap on the number of weekends throughout your summer that you are going to be in the rink. Mm-hmm. So... Again, I, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't do any. I'm certainly not going to say that you should do 10. But I think a good rule of thumb is put a limit on the amount of weekends that you're going to be in the rink. So I think if at the younger levels, playing in a couple of those, it's it's fun too. Like they're with their teammates. Right? Oh, they, yeah. No, these are fun things. They're going to enjoy it, right? So like don't don't tell them they can't do anything. But I think it's it's a really good recommendation strong recommendation to put a limit on the amount that they're going to be doing that throughout the summer and I think at the older levels prioritize the quality depending on what your goals are the quality versus the quantity right so if you want to play in college I know this seems like an obvious statement but you have to put yourself in situations where some of your prospective schools and coaches are going to have an opportunity to see you and with that said, you also want them to be seeing you when you're almost at your best throughout throughout your training, right? So I think if I had to give you like a recipe, I think like your training in the summer should be like three or four to one. So meaning like the amount of days that you're training versus like playing a game or something should be like mm-hmm. three three training to one or four to one. And, and I, I think that I would stress that that's extremely important. Like I've seen both sides of that where kids have played in a, in a tournament or showcase where a certain school has come to look at them and they might have been tired or they just they might have not have been with their normal teammates or their normal team it was like this sort of just an off-season team they don't usually play with they didn't show well and one of my one of my colleagues who I really admire he has over 40 years of of, of coaching college coaching experience he says it very well when a coach forms a snapshot of you, they're going to come and watch and they have a snapshot. And that's either going to be a good one or a bad one. It's a first impression. Right? So if it's a bad snapshot, it's it's probably not going to work out there. Right? So yeah. so again, I think just stressing the importance of when you, when you are at these events, like you want to be showing your best. And I've seen both sides. Like I have, I've had phenomenal players 
that when coaches have come to see see them, they didn't show well, mm-hmm. right? And I think they could easily have played at this particular college, but that coach has a bad snapshot. So they have no chance to play there, right? Yeah. But So again, I think these are just good tips to, to keep in mind. And there's a lot to navigate <laughs> these days in the off season. So don't be afraid to take your time, do some research. And I think if you can really establish yourself with someone that you really look up to and trust and value what they have to say, I think that's invaluable as you're going through your youth hockey process. And you'll be doing some stuff this summer. What are some of the things you'll be doing this summer that people can look forward to or see or do? What are some of the things? Yeah, so I I do a lot. So I wear a lot of hats in hockey. I mean, I I do run my own skills business, if you will. And I kind of set my off-season up based on what I truly believe in. So a lot of people have said, geez, are you going to do tournaments and tournament teams? And my answer is no. I know there's a lot of options there, but for me, no. Like, that's just not something I'm going to get into. But so I, I do typically for age-specific skills. It's a skills training program. So throughout the summer, it's it gets kids there one day a week so they can train specifically for their age category. Our older kids do some different things. Like there's some more opportunities they can get on the ice a little bit more frequently. But we do things like position-specific work, Definitely power skating. Yep. Big That's on a big that. one. Yeah. Clearly, right? You knew that was going to say oh, that Oh, God, one. yeah. But it's a good thing. It's the number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, like it's for, for all of us, like maybe my generation more, like just, it's it's just what you grew up doing. That was, if I didn't even touch a puck in the spring and summer, that would be normal back then. But you could be sure, like I would have done several things to work on skating. But but yeah, so that's just that's just some of the stuff that we do. And again, there's... Not saying that that's the, the, the be and an end all that you have to do, but that's just that's just the things I, I we do things that I think benefit tremendously in helping players get better. And for our older kids, we do have particular showcases that we that we do that really do get them in front of a lot of college coaches under one roof for a particular event. So for them, that's invaluable with their recruiting process, but. But again, as we said, Evan, there's a lot to navigate through, and I do hope that there's been bits and pieces of, of good information that families can pick up from this show, and there's it is different each and every age, too. I think so. I'm ready to train this summer. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to be coming back in the fall better than I have ever been, I think, with this advice. It's incredible. Be a player. Yeah. Like, if I you come back as a player, I can yeah. coach you. And- you'll, ha- you'll, you'll have me out on the ice this summer a ton. Yeah. This has been it. fascinating. I love doing this stuff. And we're going to have a lot more this summer, or this spring and summer, on things like this and from different guests, like, like Ken Hodge Jr. types. This has been fun, Stephanie. I like this. This is fun. Definitely. Yeah. As we said, this is sort of just a starting point. Yeah. The off-season is, is long. And this is a, like the appetizer, in it, a sense. It definitely is. That's a great analogy. That's that's like a perfect analogy, Yeah, actually. But definitely with the off-season coming up, this is just a starter. And Evan, we're going to have analysts in throughout the off-season that will also chime in on their opinion. Some college coaches, some youth level, prep level, all different sorts of opinions. But that will, I think, Evan, just help our audience navigate through this very big process. It's days. a big process. And as I said, it's kind of a gray area. There's no schedule. There's no typical thing everybody does. It's kind of all over the place a little bit. There's a lot of things to do, but it's hard to figure out what to do. And we'll have stories on the website about certain things and things to do and talking to certain people and what they think. So it's going to be kind of a good hand-in-hand with the podcast. I'm excited for this offseason. I really am. Definitely. Yeah, always always fun and so much to talk about. You're, you're right. Like This is, I feel like, one of the areas that has changed the most 
Yes. Over the years. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Just, it's, it looks completely different. If you looked at an off-season 20, 25 years ago, it would look completely different than today's off-season. Yes. But you know what? The game's changed, and it's better, and lots of options for families, which is good. Sure is. Speaking of which, so we got the Final Four coming up, too, with the... Frozen Four, yeah. It's going to be a heck of a tournament, obviously. Final Four, Frozen Four. I'm getting yeah. my March Madness <laughs> basketball and hockey. Well, it's hard stuff. to tell, and I, it's a little bit different everywhere, but yeah, it should be exciting. Obviously, it's we're recording this before the first two games, the semifinal games. It's really exciting. It's funny, because last year was in Boston. And there were no New England teams. This year it's in Tampa and there's two. But it's it, it's a great field this year. Big time teams, a lot of big time prospects. So I'm excited for it. I really am excited for this for this batch of Frozen 4 action. Should be fun. And we'll have stuff on the website for it. We sure will. And speaking of which, we should actually have Kim Bramfold on the show at some point in the near future. Yes. So one yep. of the BU coaches. So it's just speaking of our analysts. So what we can look forward to down the road. And he'll provide obviously some outstanding perspective and feedback on some of the he topics. used to be a skills guy for the Bruins he was there was he was he their skating coach he was oh a, yeah 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 for years yeah yeah, yeah. so, so. You know, he'll give some really great perspective for sure yeah absolutely I'm excited I'm excited to listen to that podcast when it comes out well Evan always a pleasure always fun this has been great I'm glad we did this great dialogue and uh, definitely can't wait to dive into this more down the road lots lots to talk about in the from lots of different people which would be really fun and that does it for this edition of Rinkwise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal. And subscribe online at hockeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Rinkwise is a Siemens Media production.